Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a Monday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. I am merely Bo. He is the great Z. I'd like to talk about bolognese. Would you? Delicious. Did did you enjoy it? Delicious. What a real treat that was. I'm glad Um, you enjoyed it. The time that you took to make it to the point to where um, the the necessary things that are required in a bolognese, an an onion, a celery, and a carrot, uh, they were almost emulsified into the sauce. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's just uh, the delight of the spicy sausage. Oh, yeah, the sausage. Well, that's what I like, too. It's delicious. What did you think when you got a little lamb friend? Like, every bite was, was a little different. A little different treat, a little layers. delight. Everything's a delight. A mushroom slips uh, in every once in a while. Sure, sure. I just couldn't be more happy with it. Um, that I makes me happy. By it. I, I was so excited when I got it home Friday that I had, a li- as a snack, I just I just had a little, a couple of just spoonfuls just because I was curious. Uh, but it was, um, and I like a bolognese, and I make a bolognese. I think the big difference is your ta- you take the time for it to really – marinate and become the and magic the flavor, and there's and a, there's, there's all a cup and there's a half a of wine of, in there yeah there's, there's like a lot, a lot of great layers. flavor to it it's yep. a lot of it was delicious a real treat i would rather do that than what we're going to have to do <laughs> so i had a great time saturday delay, night i had a delay. great time saturday night yeah danny I saw danny and albie yeah that was i had a real experience treat. saturday night i gotta tell you about that it's hard for me to even even though i've lived it it's still hard for me to get my head around I think you're there. I'm there, I don't know. But it's it, yeah, it Who is. This thing. Well, if this thing's so massive, you can't help but touch it. I mean, I won't do Michael Scott. I could, you but could I won't. Have, yeah. Um, look, <laughs> this sucks. That's the bottom line. This we should have won this game, and we did not. It's the second time in four games that that has been the case, and we'll get into some things that are going to make you feel a little bit better at some point. But the fact of the matter is the Browns should have beat the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday as they should have beaten the Jets, and they did not do so. And that is not good. It is not okay. And we're a team, yes, we're playing without our starting quarterback. Yes, in this one we were playing basically without our defensive line and certainly the best player on the field, Miles Garrett. And not a lot of teams would win under those circumstances, and yet we should have won. And it was the details, the little things around the edges that allowed us to lose this game. We'll talk decision making, going for it at the end of at the end uh-huh. of the first drive. We'll talk about throwing the ball without the benefit of play action on second and goal from the one. We will talk about the fact that the one time we had a breakdown in coverage, which was our linebacker Jacob Phillips in this case did not get the depth on his drop. He should have gotten the corners and safeties played that perfectly in their cover three. We gave it up when they ran a max protection two man route. And we had six people in coverage, mm-hmm. and yet one person was completely uncovered. What sense does that make? None. We give up a sack yeah. on the final drive when they rush three and drop eight. Those little things, those little details, those make a big, big difference. And the Browns gave away at minimum seven points in this game, at, at a minimum. Yeah. You had a stretch where your defense was great. You had a stretch where they had four straight. If I'm, let me look at get it complete. But I think it was four straight three and outs and an interception in the basically in the second half where they did nothing with the football and you offensively were unable to capitalize on that. And I thought that was a pivotal stretch. And in same with the first half. In the first half, folks, when you have 240 yards of offense in the first half, 
It shouldn't be a tie game. When you possess the football for 20 and a half minutes, it's exactly what we what it's the key to the game. The, everything we Control said. the clock. Yeah. Keep their offense on the sideline and win, and we did not do it. And, yeah, here's how it went for the Falcons. They had punt, end of half, punt, punt, interception. They're in the in the third quarter alone, second and third quarter alone, here's how many yards the Atlanta Falcons had on offense. Five in the second quarter and six in the third quarter. They had 11 yards of offense in half of the game, and we didn't pull away in that stretch. We didn't pull away. That, to me, right there, it's just – it's insane we, that we lost this game. We have, um, as currently constructed, we have a very, a very tiny needle to thread, and so you have to do all of the little things yep. right. Yep. And when you do, you can in fact beat anybody. When you don't, and even if you miss by a little here or a little there, you can in fact lose to anybody. And it is, it's disheartening because. You look at this first month, and you said the minimum requirement was three and one. I mean, we set that ourselves as the expectation. You go three and one. That was the requirement in order to be a team that was in the mix when Deshaun Watson comes back. Now, one thing that I'll amend from what we thought in August to the reality now in October is that there isn't quite the separation at the top of the league as we thought, that there might not be these great teams. feels like everybody's pretty close. I don't know that yeah. parity's ever been more than it is yeah. right now in the NFL. So I, that makes me feel a little better about two and two. The rest of your division struggled. So everybody's two and two. But the flip side of that coin is you could have made real hay this We could month, be up two games in this and division. And you should be four and oh. We could be the, the number reality. one. Yeah, and, number one seed in the AFC. And instead, um, and instead you're not. And the schedule's about ready to get infinitely tougher. Yes. And, and you didn't take full advantage of what was there. And it wasn't because you weren't talented enough to do it. It was It's small execution things that just kill you. And it did again. It came back to roost. The idea, if you and I would have been talking here on Friday and said um, the, the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, Marcus Mariota, is going to complete seven passes, you would have said. Seven of 19. You would have said, dub, book it. Seven of 19. Correct. No book touchdowns, it. one interception. Drake London is going to have two catches for 17 yards on seven targets. Uh -huh. Kyle Pitts is going to have one catch for 25 yards on four targets. So you're going to limit those two guys to a grand total of 42 yards. Cordero Patterson is going to run for 38. You're going to limit their big three, mm -hmm. right, to 80 yards of offense in one touchdown, and Mariota goes 7-19. If you would have said, honest to God, they're going to score 23 without anybody on our defensive line, fine. We're going to beat them. They haven't given up fewer than you know 27 in a game. We're going to win the game. It's fine. And yet we did not do that. We did not capitalize. And we've done this so many times this season. Carolina, first half. The only reason that game's close, we didn't capitalize on good field position and our ability to get three and outs. This game, we don't do that. It's it's like we are much better responding than we are. We don't have that instinct of how to win a football game, of how to take it. They Let me say this again out loud because this is stunning. They had five yards of offense and possessed the ball for one minute in the second quarter. They had six yards of offense in the third quarter. They had 11 yards in a half of this football game, and we didn't. We weren't up 20. We should have been up 20 after the end of the third quarter. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, we should have not had. We should not have had a scoreless first quarter <coughs> after we marched the ball right down the field. Don't get any points. Then we have the chief fumble, which is being overlooked, but turned out to be a very big play that led directly to seven of their points on a short field. I mean, our defense, and people are so mad at our defense. Yes, it is awful to watch. Ten plays, 75 yards, all runs. You only see that in high school or yeah. in college when there is a skilled 
discrepancy. You don't see that very often in the NFL. Yeah. I saw it on Saturday in Copley in the fifth grade. So, yeah. Yes. Familiar. Appropriate. We gave up a 30-yard touch, short field touchdown, and then that touchdown drive. Other than that, they kicked three field goals. We had an interception. We had multiple three and outs. <coughs> you had a great tackle, a force of field goal at the end of the game by Jacob Phillips, where if they had just picked up that first down, now they're kneeling and they're kicking it as time expires. We should have done more offensively in this game, and it's the little things. It's the three points on the first drive. It's the four points on that drive at the end of the first half where we should have scored a touchdown. Holding penalty was there. And then after the holding penalty, they call a screen. Cream Hunt walks in. You score on that play. And Jacoby threw it into the ground. He wasn't as sharp as he needed to be. We weren't as sharp on the details and around the margins as we needed to be. And as a result, we lost. And it's painful because we should have won this game. We should be alone. We still are in first place in the AFC North, believe it or not. Yeah. But we should be alone with a lead of one or two games. Now, the Ravens are saying the same thing. They just blew a 20-3 to three lead to the yeah. Bills. They blew a lead to the Dolphins. Here's the difference, though. They played the Bills and the Dolphins. They played the Bills and the Dolphins. They played against a Dolphins team at full strength and a Bills team at full strength. And they are they have an ability to be because of the way that they play offensive football to score almost at any time because of his ability to throw the ball down the field in his legs. We do not have that margin. Our margin is razor thin yep. right now. And so when when you don't do these little things that we're talking about, you can lose to a team whose quarterback goes seven of nineteen. That's how it happens. It is stunning to look at these the 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 rushing numbers. Thirty five rushes for two hundred and two yards, five point eight a carry for Atlanta in this game. It's stunning. Caleb? It's equally as stunning to think about the fact that, that we only score 20 points when Nick Chubb averages 6.2 yards a carry and Kareem Hunt averages 4.9. That is equally stunning. It's wild to me that Amari Cooper cut one pass for nine yards, was targeted four times, one pass, nine yards. Two straight 100-yard games for he was Amari open Cooper. Too. They played I mean, man-to-man. A.J. Terrell, and they had a guy inside helping on the slants, but there were I mean, times. you got a pick for Denzel Ward. Yeah. Mm. Mm. so yeah i mean it's it just flat sucks because there was opportunity here this month because of everything else that happened in our division and now you're going to have a Bengals team that's got a lot of confidence going into this week uh coming off of their win against miami they play baltimore they do that's a monster but both of those teams because of the way i mean they're playing at full strength offensively yeah um and so that's the tough part again not many teams would win without their starting quarterback and their best player. Like, it just, yeah. it just doesn't happen very often. And we're all pissed because we still should have won anyway. We were clearly – our defensive line depth is not at the level it needs to be. Alex Wright was drafted in the third round to be a developmental project. Yeah. Okay, he started at one end in his fourth game. Mm -hmm. Jordan Elliott is, was fine. He had a sack. Tommy Togiai looks, unfortunately, outclassed at the National Football League level. He does not have the strength to hold up against NFL offensive linemen. Even though he is very strong, he's just not big enough. We don't have depth behind him. You know, Perrion's a rookie, fourth rounder. We had Roderick Perry, an undrafted free agent, up in this game. Isaac Rochelle, who started at the other end for us, was a guy that was on our 53. We let go, and not one of the other 31 teams in the league felt they needed him on their 53-man roster. So yeah. he comes back to our practice squad. He is starting. Isaiah Thomas was a seventh-round pick this year. And yet, we should have won this game. Mm -hmm. we, it's not like we just didn't have Miles. We also didn't have Clowney. No. We didn't have Taven Bryan, who's been very good for us. Yeah. And we should have won this game. 
you go out there without really generating much of a pass rush because, boy, there was not a whole heck of a lot of a pass rush. I thought our linebackers did a good job at times blitzing. I thought we ran some stunts. We were very creative with our twists and stunts just to try to get anywhere near Mariota. But we held a quarterback in the National Football League to 7 of 19 passing with an interception and lost. And lost a game in the NFL. And that's not okay. It's not okay. And it's it's really, it's honest to goodness, it's re- these two games, this one and the Jets, are going to come back to bite us. Bottom line, end of story, that's it. We played, we did a good job in every respect. And that's the thing about Joe Woods, like, we didn't, we didn't get pressure organically. We blitzed them half the time. That's way out of our comfort zone. And yet our blitzes got home. Mm-hmm. We were able to get around him and disrupt their passing game. And we lost. Caleb Huntley was called up from their practice squad on Saturday. Yep. 5.6 a carry. And had a drive that was basically all him mm-hmm. and r- ran it right in the end zone. Like, yep. Yeah, it was untouched. I mean, it was the whole drive. not much resistance. The whole drive. And we still should have won. That's the thing that's crazy. We still should have won. We had a drive right before our last drive, which is one not many people are talking about, where we got into their territory. I think we were at the, like, 48. Mm -hmm. And we didn't gain a yard in three plays. Right. And had to punt. Mm -hmm. And, by the way, that punt, here's another little detail. Yes, we downed it at the nine-yard line. Let's see where that ball goes. We had – Ronnie was back there well between the ball and the goal line. It took a pretty gentle hop. Let's see where that ends up. Maybe that ends up at the two. Right. And that's a whole different scenario. Yeah. So little things that are getting away from us, and we are not situationally being aware or doing the right things, whether it's from strategically thinking or execution on the field. Little things. You're up 13 with a minute and 55. Like, you can't let anybody get past you. Mm -hmm. We did. In this one, again, People argue, and I understand the quant- the quantitative analysis that leads you to go for it. You say, okay, we don't get it. They're in a long field. Chances are we get it back, and we can still sure. get that field goal. Like, I get all of that. But sometimes I think when our games in particular, the way that we're currently constructed, have seemingly all come down to an onside kick recovery or a field goal late. Correct. We're talking about points, like a few points, enough that you could count on three fingers. Yeah. Let's have those. Mm-hmm. Let's have those points. Yeah, it's a – yeah. Again, it comes back to the margin. And it's the margin. It's the margin. It's not big. And so that leads to, uh, in this case, a loss at 23 to 20 to the Falcons. Go ahead. Real quick. We possess the ball for 35 and a half minutes, almost 36, 35 minutes and 44 seconds. You don't lose in the NFL when you do that. That's like mm-hmm. a lock. We ran, I think, 15 more offensive plays than they did. Honestly, you don't like, lose this, in the NFL when that happens. It looks like a college game when you see 35 carries, 202, six yards a carry. When you the idea of losing when a quarterback goes seven of nineteen for one thirty nine and a pick, that doesn't happen in the league. You can't lose like that when the, when the other quarterback in this league, you you hold a quarterback to seven of nineteen and one thirty nine and a pick and you lose, can't happen. Can't do it. And, no. and it happens. So it's it's a tough tough pill to swallow. Which is why I want to talk That's about the, And I yes, Bolognese was delightful. It's, it's just a real again. Treat. We would have signed up knowing how to – folks. Three and one, dude. You and I said the, the, the number it. was three and one. You had to be three and, and one. And we slipped onto the banana peel twice. Yeah. That's what's so uh, – once you can live with and yeah. bounce back and move on, but twice? This one, um, you know, and as, as brutal as that one against the Jets was, you could say to yourself, it won't be as bad if you can still do what you needed to do, which was get to three and one. Now, you can't – to your words, you can't slip on the banana peel twice. 
and that's the part that makes this one a very, very difficult pill to swallow here on a Reaction Monday. Uh, coming up, what do you go from here? What is the plan going forward? The schedule stiffens up a great deal. Gibby wants to know if there's any positives. No, none that I want to talk about, but we will get to that. Kevin Spansky's press conference will have that for you as well. We're off and, wanting, uh, off and running rather on a very disappointing Monday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers, Serious Injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Uh, so this is where we are. You're 2-2 two and two through the first four. I don't know how to sp- – I mean, are there any positives? No, there's not. There's not a single positive that I can take from this game. You're not on. You're still not on. No. Oh, hello? Now you are. There you go. Um, Maybe one day. <laughs> this is a results-oriented business. Yep. There are no moral victories. No. Your defense overall did a darn good job under the circumstances. That's a fact. Your offense in this game did not score the way that it needed to. Jacoby was not as sharp as he has been the previous two weeks. He did not see it as well he as he should He was fine, though, for who he is. Totally. And we, He's we, not Deshaun Watson. We could have won. Yeah. We absolutely could have won the game. I thought we ran the ball effectively. We just did not do a good job. When you have when you have three trips to the red zone, and you come away with what nothing, a field goal mm-hmm. and a touchdown, three trips to the red zone net yeah. you ten points. Like that's not okay, dude. We play. Here's the problem: you've played Baker, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, two of whom are benched. Yes, one probably would be if Sam Darnold was available. Uh, he's gonna get benched. Well, they don't have anywhere to go right now, but if Darnold, Darnold as soon as Darnold gets week. back, he's going to be benched. Yeah. He had, he had 10 batted balls. Like, So anyway, so him and then Mariota, who's, I mean, a placeholder at best, whether they go with Desmond Ritter or they draft another quarterback. So you, you go through those quarterbacks and you go two and two, and you actually get pretty good quarterback play out of Jacoby Brissett. A month ago, I don't know if, if anybody looked at Jacoby's first month and said, if I if he gives you this – what do you do? I would say three and one. We scored 20 in every game. That's yeah, all we wanted say, to do last year. That's it. You go three and one. Yeah. For some reason, for some reason, the little things are eluding us. And I don't, it's hard for me to understand why or how it's intangible little things. These, these, and they're huge. They're little things in a vacuum that are game wreckers. I am all for the culture of calm. We talk about the three P's, all of that. And the four P's we added poised. I do think that there is something when I watch this football team, and I don't know how you feel about this, that there is the everybody is competing. Mm-hmm. Don't get don't not say that, but there just seems to be a lack of like a fire, a lack of a like we can't lose, a lack of hating to lose more than you like to win. Whereas like losing is an unacceptable option to you. I don't and, that. and I don't know that there is that emotion. Like, certain guys on our team play with that emotion. Jeremiah Wuskorma, without question in my mind, plays with that kind yeah. of emotion and passion. Nick Chubb plays with that emotion and passion. We have a, a, a lot he's of not guys. Outward I'm just with it, it's though, not outward with it, though. Like he's sure. You know what I mean? Like, but he's not like raw rod, which isn't in his DNA. He doesn't no. need to be. We can't put any more on Nick Chubb. It doesn't feel like it just – we don't have a killer instinct. There have been opportunities. There were opportunities against Carolina. There were opportunities certainly against the Jets. 
There were opportunities against the Steelers and an opportunity in this game to put all of these away. Like, not only should we be 4-0, but honest, and I mean this with all we – we, we should be have won all four by double digits. Mm -hmm. We could have put bad teams away, and we don't. It's like we played down to the level of our competition at times, and we somehow go into a lull. When they go into a funk, it's like we're going to go into a funk. Their third quarter, remember when I said their third quarter they had a net six yards, plus they threw an interception? Our third quarter, we had 21 total yards. First quarter, we had 86. Second quarter, we had 144. Fourth quarter, we had 125. 127. 127. And we had 21 in the third quarter when we could have ended this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that it kind of, as you're talking, I, I'm thinking, and it, it does, you know, whether it's that killer instinct or this put a game away or act accordingly, however you want to phrase it, um, it does feel like it's, it's almost as if that we just expect every game to be a one-score game and we're like, there's ability to blow these teams out and we're just not and you know th there's an ability to go yep. up two scores and we're not it's like we're okay well this one's going to be down to a field goal again or this one's going to be a touchdown game well it shouldn't have been this one shouldn't have been and the jets game shouldn't have been neither one of them god the panthers game shouldn't have been they suck they stink they're terrible they're... that should never could have come down to a 58 year old field goal from a rookie kicker in his first game because we blew it boy yeah and so that can't happen like and it off. is and it's that's ultra ultra frustrating in this whole thing. Um, I, I let up. We talked about this a little bit off the top, just to kind of revisit it. Minimum requirement. You and I said it at three and one. One thing that, and I still think that's it. It's stunningly disappointing to not be. But the, if you're if you're looking for a a sliver of sliver of silver, it's that no one's really looked superb. No, and so no one's run away from you. You're still in the mix. It's going to get much more difficult over the next four games. And, and really all the way until Deshaun gets back. It's a pretty brutal schedule. Um, this is the easiest stretch by far. I want to say I thought I saw Jake this morning say fourth easiest schedule in the league. Yeah, now so the far. second toughest. Yeah. Look, if we don't do what we wanted to do this year, we will look back squarely at these four games. Mm -hmm. And we will look back at the Jets game and this Falcons game. And look, I feel for a lot of the guys on this team, like – this week was not a normal week no, because of what happened on Monday with Miles Garrett and the ripple effect that that had on the whole team, the whole operation. That's what everybody had to be talking about and answering questions about, and it stunk. Thank God he's okay. That's the most important thing in the whole situation. Yeah. But for a football team, like that was a hard thing to deal with. You would come off of a win. You got the long weekend. You come back here. You're feeling good. And then all of a sudden it's – and, you know, every who knows anybody that likes the Cleveland Browns that wasn't talking about that all week. So, you know, oh, players yeah, were right. talking about it. it affected them. It affected our ability to play against this team, the Atlanta Falcons. And obviously, and I said this on the broadcast yesterday, people think so much about Miles and Clowney getting to the quarterback, getting the quarterback. They're two of the best run-defending defensive ends in football. Oh, my God. And yeah, that's, Jadavian's made a, that's made a living on that. Being, and Miles yeah, is an right. absolute monster. And yeah. not having that was a massive deal in this game. I mean, it's very likely – that from now until Deshaun Watson comes back, we would maybe be favored against the Patriots. That's it. That's it. Because yep. the Chargers are here Sunday, then Patriots are here after that, at Ravens, Bengals here, at Dolphins, uh, at Bills, Buccaneers. That's the stretch. It is a gauntlet of gauntlets. There was a clear path to three and one. It did not happen. Instead, it is two and two. There's no easy way to make you to make that go away. The reality is is pretty brutal on that side of things. Um in terms of 
now you're just going to be in a situation where because the talent differential is going to be in favor of the other team, it's just going to be mu- trying to muddy up games with the exception to New England. Uh, you cannot get in a scoring contest with the Chargers, the Ravens, Cincinnati, Miami, Buffalo, or Tampa Bay. That's not it. So you're just going to have to ground control. You're going to have to squeeze out wins. You're going to have to take points when you can get them. Every point's going to matter. There's going to be – this is the other thing, too, you, as, I, as I'm saying that. When you play teams like the Panthers, the Jets, the Steelers, and the Falcons, and there is a narrow kind of path to victory, every single point you want to get them because – and I've talked about this before with a lot of these guys who go for fourth, and I get it. I understand the – certainly understand the mechanics the of logic it of and the logic of it. It makes sense because you're going long field, all of it. Everybody knows it. The one thing that is – that I don't know that you can put a number on is it is particularly – you can feel the air out of the sails when you don't get it. Yes. And it's almost and it like that them. damage – that damage does – it's almost as much as if you would have gotten it and scored because it takes away from your team because we just had the ball for seven minutes we don't score, and then it gives it to the other team. You, it's a complete momentum switch. Yes. Whereas you kick a field goal, it's almost like no one has momentum. Nobody has momentum, but you they still now must score. they got to add it. they got to match it. To match you. Yeah. So it, it, That's what's hard. And it allows you, should you get a stop and go down and score, now you've made it a two-possession game, which is a wonderful thing to do. I'm with you. I think that that's something that can't be quantified and and put into these formulas, the human emotional aspect Mm -hmm. of it. And I would say it's the same thing for when you map out a scenario that, okay, we're going to bottom out and go 0-16, like the toll that that takes on human beings in the fan base, in the building, in the organization. It's hard. It's hard. And it it may be – again, it may be the right thing, and you never want to – discuss process via outcome only mm-hmm. like the, the right decision is the right decision it doesn't always work out just Correct. anybody who's been at, at las vegas just because the dealer's showing a six and you have an ace showing or you have 11 and you double down yeah you should win yeah the odds are in your favor but you don't always win correct sometimes you pull a nine and now you have 20 and and they pull one of those 38 card 21s that right. dealers do and they go oh sorry and but well, you still was it. the right decision yeah and that's the hard part about it. I do think that there is an emotional part to football. And the way that I just look at it is we're a team. And now, and it could be the logic could be applied. Uh, devil's advocate. We're a team where we're not, we're not with Deshaun Watson. So we need all the points we can get. So we need, if we're that close and we can get seven, like we've got to get seven, not three. Well, so, the next group of games, yes. But not this one. Not this one. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't get threes against the Chargers. You can't get threes against the Ravens. You can't get threes against Cincinnati. You're gonna have to get that. Bothered me less though, honestly, in the big picture than second and goal from the one, running a drop back pass. Mm-hmm. Like just give it to Nick Chubb. Heck, give it to Yelda Froholt. I don't care. Or we have Sir Sneak a lot. Like yeah, just run three sneaks in a row. Yeah, you'll score. You'll score. I mean, you saw how freaked out they were about his sneak that one of them turned into a sweep for five yards. I know it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a weapon, but when we're down there, uh, if we're going to throw a pass to me, it's got to be a play-action pass. You have got a hard sell that the ball is going to Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. not just a drop-back pass. That was the one that I want you'd want back. And then, look, he made a great play call coming out of that with the screen. Jacoby throws the ground. He hands it to Kareem. If he just gets the ball to Kareem Hunt, it's a walk-in. Yeah. Ugh. It's frustrating. Yes, that's the word. All right, we'll hear from uh, Coach Stefanski coming up next. You'll see Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Well, the Bath Authority gives you the bathroom of your dreams. Why not transform your current bath into a custom bath for a spa-like experience? Let the Bath Authority make it a real deal for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority, our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. They are experts and factory trained. You give them a call now at 216-220-8399. You get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. Again, that number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. Largest selection of bath projects are all made in the United States of A. Change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding in about a day. Superior products with expert installers at thebathauthority.com and 216-220-8399. Tell them that Bo sent you. Here's Coach Stefanski at the podium. Obviously disappointed, like we talked about yesterday, frustrated. Um, you work really hard to go down there and get a win as a team, um, and we don't come away with that. There's always good. There's always things that, that you, you uh, want to continue to do and, and some individual performances and those type of things. There's always good. Um, but we got to really look at it and, and look at ways that we can go get that win and, and uh, offense, defense, special teams, players, coaches, all of us uh, find a way to go get that win. And so when you don't do it, it's very, very frustrating. Uh, having said that, we know where we are. We know we got an AFC opponent coming to our place this week. So we got to make sure that we learn from it and then move on. And with that, I'll take any questions. Hey, Kevin, I wanted to ask you about two specific play calls. And after watching film, why they didn't work from a schematic and coverage standpoint, the first fourth and two, and then that second and one where you wind up getting the holding call. So the first fourth and two. Yeah, the pass um, after Nick was stopped for minus two. Yeah, I think it was fourth and three from the four. Um, yeah, uh, you know, on some of these, Scott, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, into the details, other than tell you we we didn't uh, didn't come off exactly how we wanted to, um, and that's unfortunate. Uh, and then down there in the uh, you get first and one down there, at, you know, we absolutely obviously have to come away with seven points. Um, you know, didn't punch it in on first down, passed it and, and got a hold, which backs us up, which is really, you know, frustrating. Uh, I, I feel confident that with some cracks at it from the one, we're going to score a touchdown, obviously. Um, but I just, I think the overall point, Scott, is is it's 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 players, it's coaches, it's all of us. We just, we have to be better. Well, when you go jumbo on that second and one, right, with Michael and Yalda, are you assuming that they're going to really devote everything to the run and you're going to be able to catch them off guard throwing the ball there? Yeah, I think what we do when, when we get down there, um, you know, you, you have a plan for goal line and and they had not been in goal line this season. So you kind of got to be, you're also waiting to see what their alignment, what their front is this season. Um, and when, when the passes aren't there, you know, sometimes you're, you're fortunate enough to scheme a guy open down there. Uh, and when you don't, you hope it's an incomplete and then it's third and one from the one. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we had the holding penalty. Kevin, I got two quick questions. The first one, in those situations where you go to your director of football strategy upstairs, does he provide you just with data or does he make a decision on his own and you'll buy by it? Yeah, I'm not sure who the director of football strategy is you're referring to, Tony, but... Um, Don't we have, you have a guy upstairs, Giuliani? Yeah, we have a lot of coaches upstairs. I think for, for me, Tony, and on all those decisions, it is... 100% me making the decision. I take in information from our coaches, from our staff, uh, up in the booth, on the sideline. And then, you know, ultimately you got to own them. Um, and when they don't work, it, you're frustrated, but 
it's my decision. Um, and, I, and I understand what you're asking. Uh, but when we get down in those situations, I, I take in all the information that I make a decision. Yeah, Kevin, defensive question for you. I, I think Atlanta ran it 15 or 16 straight times there uh, in the second half. Just fr from your perspective, what was so problematic for you guys as far as slowing that down? Yeah, you know, they committed to the run there and that drive and, and in the second half. And uh, it's never one thing. I, I thought we, uh, we, we played hard. Uh, there were times that, that we executed really well. There's times that maybe it's one guy here or there. Uh, certainly, you want to put the guys in position to go make plays, but in those moments, you got to find a way uh, to, to get them off the field. And, and a lot of times that, that can be pursuit related. That can be making sure that we're assignment sound, all, all those things. Um, but you, got, you have to find a way to get them off the field. Yeah, Coach, going to the game and arguably there are three big players, Mariota, you hold them to seven completions and Patterson to 38 yards and and Pitts to one catch you know and then they go to the smash mouth game I mean is that scheme is it personnel I mean what is because you're down three defensive linemen you know that's got to be frustrating kind of getting beat at your own game I mean you come in leading the league and rushing yeah I think Fred the frustration is, is um, not winning and I think the frustration is to your point uh, with, with limiting some of their really good players, uh, which I thought the defense did a nice job. And then um, obviously we just ha had a, a couple drives that we'd like back, but it's just the margin this in the margins in this game are so small um, and you, and you're trying to take away multiple guys and, you know, there's some really, really good effort out there. Uh, we just got to learn from the ones that we can clean up the plays that we know we can, we can finish or we can put the guys in position to make a play. we got to learn from this. Yes, Kevin, I have a couple of defensive questions for you too. Um, the, the, the long pass, the 42-yard completion there at the end, was that the same issue um, in, in the Panthers game and the Jets game, or is this something different? Yeah, so I, I don't want to get into the specifics, similar to what Scott and I were talking about earlier. Uh, you know, sometimes it's miscommunication. In this case, just uh, – didn't play a technique how we want to. Um, and, and that's unfortunate. And those are the type of things where big plays can happen when, when, you know, uh, we get out of a gap or, or we miss an assignment, whatever it is. Um, but the bottom line is we own this as a, as a team, we own the wins as a team, we own the losses as a team and similarly players and coaches. We, uh, there's plenty of stuff that we can all clean up. Yeah, there is, and the cleaning up will be difficult as the schedule gets very, very difficult going forward here coming up next. Uh, coming up next here on this program, going to take a big picture of what we saw in week four around the league. We will get into that coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's no good news when you lose a game that you could win. Um, one big theme around the league, though, is that even the teams that you think are great, and who would you define as a great team right now in the NFL? I, I, I feel confident with Kansas City is great. I think Buffalo is 
pretty close to great, although it took everything for them to come back and win and not lose their second straight game. Yep. Um, in the NFC, I don't know if anybody is. Like, the no. Packers won, but they're, they're not. They're not great. I like the Eagles. I still do like the Eagles. They might be great. I they like might the be they they might be great. Uh they got down early 14 nothing to Jacksonville and ended up covering 29 to 21 uh to improve to 4 and 0. That one was played in the slop. Um the Eagles might be. They 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 have shown some signs of it. But if you think about around the league the disappointment, the Colts sitting at 1-2 and 1 losing at home to Tennessee um is it is just a brutal start for them we had that though by the way we did have good that. job by yeah us. that is a very good job by us we had, had a nice week i think we had a yeah a ba- I'm, pretty I'm, good bounce back there. i'm taking a look at it right now it looks pretty yeah. good i think it's pretty good um so that one worked out pretty good you think about the fact that the detroit lions score 40 every week and somehow are one in three they're on pace to give up the most points in the history of the league it's like a big 12 team it's crazy. And they're, b- by the way, they're about to get Jamison Williams back in the mix. Goff yesterday was 26 of 39 for 378 and four scores. Yeah. And, and a pick six, though. He's thrown two of those already this yeah, year. Yeah, brutal. But they, they, they lose at home. They're one and three on the year. Um, there are some absolutely hopeless teams. I don't, you were, obviously, our game's going on at the same time. But Pittsburgh dropping to one and three. They make the change to Pickett. Everyone's doing cartwheels because Pickett ran for a couple touchdowns. He also threw three picks. Who was the one getting the ball? Okay, this is um, this is a selfish Nathan Zagur fantasy question for you. Who was the one that got the ball to Pickens? Was that Pickett? Because Pickens, I wasn't. I was on us, and it was on okay. red zone. Was it Pickett? Yeah, okay. he had over a hundred yards and led the team in targets and yeah. had a hundred a hundred yards. Okay, yeah. yeah Brees Hall looked good in that game. I, I think the Jets are a fun team. I, I said that when they played us, we still should have whooped them. We should have whooped them. The yeah. Cardinals and Panthers was an abomination of football, and I actually got to watch a lot of that. That was just dreadful, dreadful. Baltimore blew it again, second time at home that they blown to three. it. Twenty to three. Yeah, they were way out in front, couldn't hold on to it. Um, they they are requiring so much of Lamar Jackson. Um, he's the everything. He's the entire They're these terrible. It is. Yeah, yeah. There was some infighting at the end of the sidelines. Uh, in that game as well. Lamar did throw two picks in that game, which yeah, one was on a fourth it. down, but yes. Allen's was not great. Their defense really held him no. under. He was 19-36 in the game for 213 at scoring in an INT. They were pretty savvy at the end, though, and as someone one, in some league I've got uh, Allen, and like they they were down at the two-yard line, and he could have just fallen in and gotten a touchdown, and they waited and kicked with three seconds. It actually was pretty crazy. I've never seen anybody do this. So they they take the timeout with three seconds, but they have they're on third down. So if you bobble the snap and you still have fourth down, you're out of time and you lose. Right. I couldn't believe they didn't call the timeout at 10 seconds. So at least if you muff something, you have another chance to kick it on fourth down. Yeah, but I don't think they want to even trifle with the kickoff is my guess. Probably. But, like, so what? You kick yeah. it on third down. I mean, it just sure. doesn't leave sure, the, sure, sure. the back. There's no margin plan. for error. You get a long no. snapper. You should yeah, you should get it done, it. Yeah. and that's the way it's supposed to go, and that's the operation. But they didn't leave any 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 chance for that. Um, it, it is a it is a league that is that by and large, I don't think that the great teams have looked as great as we thought they would be. Um, I would put Buffalo in that category. They've shown moments. Kansas City certainly has had moments. Kansas hell, they lost them to, last night, though. Yeah, but they lost to Indy last week, and Indy sucks. Stinks. So, I, so that bad. doesn't make any sense to me. No, Denver is the worst coach team in the league by a thousand mile. I don't have a problem with that. By a mile. I, they just went lost through Javante that. for the year. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Sad. I mean, I, yeah. I feel, to, like, to I feel your, like Albright willed it. To be to lose your number two pick in the draft 
in your fantasy draft. Yeah, I mean, let awful. alone obviously we hurt for him personally, but to lose your number one fantasy draft pick in week four in week four is tough. Rough. That's tough. And also to never see him really used the way that he was supposed to be. Not once. No, no. Meantime, some of the teams in the bottom of the NFC are some of the most dreadful teams I've ever seen. The commies in their – did you see them in their Steelers uniforms? Hold on. First, I like – Fine, if you're Pittsburgh. Yeah, but I wouldn't wear them against – And wear not against if you're Washington. Right. You bozos. Right, 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 right. Why are you, why are you black yeah. and yellow, you yeah. idiots? Yeah. That, like, that, the Steelers are black and yellow, in right. fact. They are. Those are their colors. That's, that's legitimately their yeah. colors. Because they just should have been the Washington Red Hogs. And like Solved. had the cool logo and done something cool. Like they could have even kept the the original. R. Honestly, they could have kept the chief. It was designed by Blackie Wetzel's a Blackfeet chief. They could have just kept that and changed Redskins. Yeah, they could have been Washington Americans or whatever. Like there was a million ways to do it, and they bailed. They botched it all, and now they're the commies, and they're in black but they and yellow randomly that, against the Cowboys. They could have kept that R that was on. Yeah, the, the Joe, Joe Gibbs, Gibbs R. Had, yeah, it kept that. Could have right done there. that and done Red Hogs if you wanted exactly. to get rid of any Native American association. Sure. Uh, the Bears are the worst two and two team in the history of the league. Oh my maybe. God, they're, they're awful. dreadful. Uh, the Lions are the best one and three team, certainly offensively. They're plucky. They're they fun. are. They're they, fun. But you wouldn't you think that their defense wouldn't be their problem? Like with a Dan Campbell coach team, he's I know a he's tight, a tight end, but yeah. like his that mentality, like we're gonna be good. They're it's like They're track dreadful. meets. Yeah. Geno yeah. Smith, by the way, might be too good for Pete Carroll's own good. I was gonna say Pete Carroll's gonna be furious. Yeah, he, I would think the NFC South is the worst division in football by a mile. Yep, I mean. Carolina's dreadful. The Saints are dreadful. Now their injury bug is getting them. Atlanta's no good. By the way, so I watched. I got to watch a little bit of the Minnesota New Orleans game. Good Minnesota, I feel like, does whatever it wants, and then all of a sudden it's like they can't do anything. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, when they need to, yeah, they can do some things again. And then all of a sudden they can't do anything. But like when their offense is clicking, yeah, it looks unstoppable. They've got Dalvin. They've got. Jefferson, who's unreal. Thielen, mm -hmm. it seems like he's always open. Osborne's a good third receiver. Like, that team just feels like when they're good, they're so good. But then all of a sudden, it's like, then they can't do anything anymore. It's They're a bizarre team to watch. Like, they were blanking the Saints. And then all of a sudden, Latavius Murray comes in like it's 2015 and is running for eight yards a carry. Yeah. I don't know. You got you got Kyler and, and uh, Cliff yelling at each other oh, on the yeah. sidelines. Just a debacle. You have you have Carolina getting booed out of their own building, and then Baker saying, "I don't care about it. I don't care what they say." Well, that's his that's his that's, note. Of course it is. It's but the it's, note. It's yeah. it feels like it is already unwelcome. There's a guy who wrote for the said he's like already the most hated Panther and like four weeks. It's not gonna. It's when it goes good with him, it's a lot of fun. He's but a great. It, fr yes, he's, he's a front runner. He's when it's tremendous. When it goes good, he's a lot of fun and he plays well. But when it goes bad, he gets in his own head. He overthinks everything and then it manifests in the media. It's it's not a good look at all. It's um, just wild. So I would not have had a lot of this stuff four games in. No, really wouldn't have. Here's what I think I've come to realize, and and it's the fact is, the NFL. Everybody's good, like. These are even the, the best. even the bad. Well, some of the bads really bad, but yeah, some bads are really bad. And, I would and say it one around to, bad quarterbacks more than anything. If you take the Bills and the Chiefs out of it, like, th be, and, and some of this is Chargers injuries because I think obviously if they were fully healthy, they would be really, really they're really talented. Um, but if you if you take those two teams out of it, like three to twenty, what's the difference? 
if we're doing higher or lower, it's, you got to get it's marginal. It's marginal. People got to get hot. I mean, I'd probably say that there are some teams that I like much closer to of course. three and teams yeah. that are close to twenty. The Bucks, but yes, the Packers sure. on their best, the for Eagles sure. for sure, the the Chargers ceiling, the Ravens ceiling, the the Bengals. But like even the Bengals, you know, who they have the highest point differential in our in our division. They're plus twenty one. They're two and two. Um, but even for them, it like with Burrow, it doesn't look like last year. No, he's a little slow out of the gates. Yeah. So it's been uneven the first month. And Very I think part of it is preseason. the approach of preseason in 17 games that just no one's humming right now. I hear that. I hear that. And I think teams will find their stride. And that's for the Browns. Again, that's why this is so unfortunate is that you had a chance to give yourself a cushion going into a difficult stretch. You had a chance to really give yourself a cushion and put yourself in a great position. Because, look, there's no doubt from what we've seen from this team offensively with Jacoby Brissett that with Deshaun Watson, we have a chance to be something of, of real consequence as an offensive football team. You like, have to, yeah. I mean, we're, right now, in all the advanced metrics, we're like the number five offense in the league. Yeah. And that's with Jacoby Brissett with a receiving core that is Amari, DPJ and Najoku. I mean, you're getting Dave Bell made a nice catch mm -hmm. on that one. Bet that was longest catch of his career, catch, yeah. 20 yards. You're getting nothing from Anthony Schwartz. Nothing. Like we need to bring what was somebody his in snap here. Counts yesterday. I think he played 11 snaps. I don't even remember him on the field. I want to say 11, and I don't think that he was targeted or produced a stat. I don't know that he's. I don't think he's produced a stat since Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where you're at. We'll get the Hoff's take on all of this coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer, as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily. Time for the Joe Thomas Hour of Cleveland Browns Daily as we welcome in the Hoff. Uh, well, I mean, Nathan and I have talked this through. It's a tough, bitter pill to swallow, my friend. Um, as you watch it, knowing all that's at stake, now important three and one was, and now to sit there at two and two, uh, where are you here on this reaction Monday, my friend? I am, uh, I am still at a loss for words. I had a buddy that was down at the game in Atlanta, uh, text me this morning. He's like, no, oh, I, I, I'm not feeling any good. I just can't believe we'd let another one slip away. And I just wrote back, I'm still not ready to talk because I'm still in that grieving stage right now. Because you feel like you let another one slip away. We had three and one right there, which is kind of the standard we were looking to get to after this first almost quarter of the season. And unfortunately, because play down the stretch was not good enough, we let another one slip away, giving up over 200 yards rushing, defensive breakdowns in the secondary once again. And even an opportunity there with the offense at the end where you thought, hey, our offense has been playing really well the last two and a half, three weeks of the season. They got an opportunity to go down there and kind of save the defense, bail them out a little bit. And in that moment, all of a sudden, the offense just wasn't playing up to snuff. Jacoby's not seeing the field quite as well. 
and we missed an opportunity to kick a field goal and take it to overtime. So a lot of disappointing things happen, but you see that the talent that we've been talking about is there, but when you don't tap into that potential, it makes you even more disappointed. Hoff, when you take a step back, look, we're frustrated. I think everybody's frustrated, you know, and, and there are some things good. We can talk about those in a second. But, like, what is it that this team is lacking? Our assertion was it's in the details. It's in the knowing that we're scratching and clawing. We've got to be good in the details. We can't blow a coverage where, where Jacob Phillips doesn't get the depth on his drop like he was supposed to. We can't not score any points on the opening drive. We can't have a holding penalty at second and goal from the one. Maybe we just run the ball there. But I don't know. It just feels like this team in a game in which in the second quarter, Atlanta had five yards of offense. And in the third quarter, Atlanta had, this is real. They had 11 yards total in the second and third quarters, five yards in the second, six in the third. And we didn't, we weren't up by 20 at that point. Like, do we just, how do we, it feels like we don't have that killer instinct. We should have, not only should we be 4-0, I think we should have won all four of these games handily, despite the fact that we're playing a backup quarterback, despite the fact that in this one, we didn't have Miles or Clowney or Taven Bryant. No, I don't care. It just feels like this team lacks the ability to to pull away or to, to have that killer instinct to win these games. What do you see? So when you have close games, there's a lot of situational football that, Rivers is right. Ugly head the details, right? Yep. When I think, yeah, the details. So I think back to like the Patriots for those 20 years that they had Brady at the quarterback. Look, you look back how many close games they won. It's unbelievable. Like how many times they were either behind and Brady leads them down the field and everybody's clicking. They know exactly what they need to do in those situations because one, they practice it probably more than anybody. Like there's nobody that drills it in your head more than a Belichick coach or Belichick himself that these are the things that win and lose a football game. But then those guys have been in those situations. They've got a veteran-laden roster led by a veteran quarterback who's been in those situations where he knows exactly what needs to get done. Everybody knows their role. They know the details of their role, and they're able to go out and execute in those critical moments because of their experience. One of the conversations we had, Nathan and Bo, like in training camp a bunch, is how this is a really young team, which is – great because it sets us up for a long run of success however this is a young team and so these guys haven't been in those battles and they don't know a lot of times exactly the detail of what they need to get done in those moments because they haven't been in some of those unique situations when the game was actually on the line not just practice situations and when you haven't been there before sometimes guys excel sometimes the moment becomes a little bit too big for the players and because they're just not exactly totally sure of what they need to do, it causes them to be a little bit tentative. And I think you're seeing some of that in those moments. And when guys are tentative, sometimes they take their foot off the gas because, ooh, I'd rather be cautious than go out and try to make the play that wins the game because I don't want to be the reason we lose. Joe, can you – I don't know. I mean, I'm, we're, looking, we're looking for things here. I guess in simplest terms, can you teach fire, or is that something you have or you don't? Is that an eight? I think that's something you have. I think uh, there can be a sense of urgency. You know, coaches can ratchet up the urgency a little bit. You can feel the urgency maybe more as a player when you're staring down the barrel if it's, you know, lose or leave town type situation when you get towards the playoffs or towards the end of the season where you need to win a handful of games to be able to make the playoffs or win your division. So I think pressure has a way of sometimes – ratcheting that up 
and bringing that urgency out of you a little bit. But also, to my earlier point, like sometimes when you have more pressure, you know, you see guys that crumble sometimes in those moments and under pressure. So, um, I mean, it can go both ways. As a player, what are your thoughts of on the opening drive, not getting points, going for it on fourth down? And it's one of those, obviously, if it works, it's great. If it doesn't, people are going to question it the whole time. You know, what do you make of that as a player? And, and for us to be able you know, analytics would say, yes, you do go for it there. But what are the emotions that it actually takes on a player, on an offense, when you go, you know, right down the field, what was it, 88 plays, 76 yards, and come away with nothing? Well, it's obviously disappointing, just like it is for a fan. Uh, but as a player, I think it's probably better, honestly, to go for it early in those games, especially when the analytics says this is a good risk to take. Because if you don't make it, it's not as deflating. Like, if I was looking at it from my, a player standpoint, and if I was one of the captains on that offense, you go right down the field, yeah, you don't get it on fourth down, but the message when you come to the sideline is not, Oh, no, we blew a chance. The game's over. The message is, look how much better than they are. Look how much better than they are. We are. Maybe maybe I uh, should work on my feet before I go talk to the <laughs> We boys. are than them. Look at how much better we are than those clowns. Look how much better we are than these clowns. We kicked their ass up and down the field. Yeah, we didn't come away with points, but you see we're better prepared. We're ready to go out there and do it again. I can't wait to get back on the field. Right? It's a positive message of, yeah, we didn't get done what we needed to at the end, but look at our situation. Look at the opportunity we have. We can roll these dudes. We can have 200 yards rushing. We can keep our quarterback clean. We can win by three scores. Like Everything's right there. Like To me, that has an opportunity to build excitement, whereas maybe if that happens a little bit later in the game, you can feel like, ah, we let one slip away. We, we were so close. And we screwed it up on that fourth down. So I like being aggressive, especially early on. It's sort of setting the, the uh, message at the beginning of the game from your head coach, like, we expect to win this game. We want to put it on our players. We're going to put you guys in those situations to grab the game and to go out and win. And so I, I think those are good situations. Now, of course, in hindsight, you always say, ah, we should have run it. Ah, we should have thrown it. Ah, we should have kicked it. Because if what you do doesn't work, you know, you're, it's a game of hindsight, and it's a game of a lot of people looking back when you lose as a Monday morning quarterback, just like we are saying, ah, this is all the things you should have done, you could have done that would have led to a victory. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, we talked a lot about the offensive stuff and, and some of those questions. I mean, you, you force a quarterback to go 7 of 19. 7 of 19. With a and, pick. With an interception in an NFL game, you win. Like, that's automatic, unless you give up 202 yards on the ground. Um and obviously the losses of Miles and Jadevian were felt bigly, but in terms of the defensive plan and the the performance that was put out there, and again, you held them to 23, I guess, um, but it's just an ability. It's six yards of carry that's hard to swallow on a Monday, isn't it? Yeah, but nothing through the air. Nothing. Yeah, I, I think going into the game, you know who Marcus Mariota is. Like, he's a guy that if he's going to hurt you, it's going to be with his feet. You know, he's not a guy that's going to throw the ball and hurt you consistently, and so you have to be ready for the rushing attack. Um, let's not forget the Atlanta Falcons. Kyle Shanahan's not there, but his scheme is on offense. And so this is kind of an underrated offensive line. It's definitely an underrated yeah. running game. Um, and in a Sunday that Cordero Patterson, who's your best running back, only gets nine carries for 38 yards. If you would have told me that 
Sunday morning when I woke up, I'd be like, oh, great. We're, we're winning this one going away. Like, this is an easy victory because the only way they can win the game is if they run the ball probably with Patterson. And so it's very frustrating to still give up over 200 yards rushing, especially in the critical moments in the second half where it just felt like it was an avalanche. It was just coming, you know, they're running the ball every single time. And it's not like it's creative, creative, crazy traps, pin pulls, toss cracks, you know, wide receiver reverses. And it's, it's just your bread and butter inside and outside zone. I mean, it was like watching yeah. Kyle Shanahan's practice from 2014 and your inability to stop the bleeding in the middle of those drives was frustrating. I mean, we blitzed Mariota 60% of the dropbacks. And I think some of those blitzes were because we couldn't stop the run. So we were blitzing the pass. We were blitzing coming out the bus because we knew that our defensive line couldn't hold up. And I think one of the things is we do have a pretty young defensive line, especially without Clowney and Miles Garrett. And when teams start rushing the outside zone against you and they get into a rhythm, they start cracking off five, six, eight, nine, four, six yard runs. Like it gets tiring one demoralizing. And, and that's when we used to, when, when we ran that offense, we used to really smell blood in the water because we now started seeing defensive linemen getting out of gap. They're not even looking for the ball carrier because they're just trying to run with you and try to maintain their gap, which they're not doing a very good job of. And I saw that a little bit up front. I saw Perrion Winfrey made some nice plays, but then there were some times he was getting out of his gap and he was having a hard time keeping up with the pace of play when the Falcons were starting to pour the gas on with those drives where they just kept running the football. Yeah, I mean, again, you look at these things. We hold them to three of nine on third down. You know, two of four in the red zone, that's good. One of three in goal-to-goal situations, that's good. We got an interception, that's good. We possessed the ball for over 35 minutes, really basically 36 minutes in this game. And the Browns lost, and the Browns had two games where, you know, they shouldn't have lost. But you're right, they were able to gash. They went on a 10-play, 75-yard drive that was 10 runs, and they ran it into the end zone after not being able to do anything offensively. It's just, it's frustrating. And this one, I think... You know, given what this defense, who they had at their disposal against an offense that had been really effective, and it's, I mean, they're top six in yards per pass and yards per run, even after this game, the Falcons, Mm -hmm. in terms of yards per pass, still top six. So they have been a very productive offense this year against the Rams, against the the Seahawks, who are not a great defense, and against Saints, who are a pretty good defense. So this was tough. I just think offensively, we didn't do enough in this one half, and, and, it comes down to little things, right? It's a third down pass to Harrison Bryant. That if he hits that one, you get the man-to-man coverage you want. If he hits that one, you know, we're there. We were just a little bit off, it felt like, in terms of being able to capitalize on the on the things in front of us. And, and it's just, it's frustrating. Like, how do you, as a team, you know you should be 3-1, and one, right? At, a, at minimum. You probably know you should be 4-0. and oh, And yet you're 2-2. Two and two. Is it, is it easy to get, like, the Clydesdale Hoff and put those blinders on and be like, all right, it's done. We've got to just get on to the Chargers? Well, that's what you have to do as a player. Um, you know, I think <laughs> one of the only good things to come from a career that was spent with 10 straight losing seasons is understanding, like, hey, we lost the last one. We may not have done what we wanted to, but we can't dwell on that. We can't think like a fan. we got to think like this is our job. We're professionals we're getting paid to go win the next game, not to dwell on the disappointment of the last game. Um, so, I, I mean, 
you have to correct the mistakes. Obviously, you have to understand that this is a game of a million little things, and it's putting those million little things together that allows you to go out and win. That's one of my favorite quotes of all time. It came from Mike Pettin, who told us he came from his dad, who was apparently a legendary high school coach. He was. Uh, in somewhere out east, I don't know, Pennsylvania or something like yep. that, wherever he, wherever he was a high school coach. Um, but, but it's really true because the NFL is just a random collection of millions of things, and your off- offensive linemen, quarterbacks, those are the positions that really see it the most, right? Because it's just all these unaffiliated things that you have to remember and you have to be on front of mind and you have to be sharp with in those critical situations. So your brain has to constantly be changing what it's thinking about from, all right, now it's the first quarter. Here's the things that I have to be prepared for. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, now it's the end of the half. Now I have to go into end of half mode and start thinking about all the little things that I have to think about when this play comes in that I have to be prepared for. Oh, now it's the end of the game. Now I have to be sharp and to be able to execute those things. And it's putting those million things together that determines wins and losing. And the best teams in the NFL and the worst teams in the NFL aren't that different when it comes to your talent and your scheme. Like, we want to say, oh, this team's 0-4 or 1-3. Oh, they stink. You know, we're 4-0. But, dude, any given Sunday, it's a cliche for a reason because these are all professionals. There's parity throughout this league for a reason. That's why it's so fun to watch. And most games, even when we feel like, hey, as Browns, we should beat the Atlanta Falcons. We're a better team on paper. But we're not that much better on paper. Like, it's going to come down to five plays. And who's going to make those five plays? They're going to be for us to make because we're the better team. But if we don't make them, if we don't have that detail in the end of the second half or the detail in the fourth quarter, you're going to get beat. And then you're going to sit there and wonder what happened. Well, you didn't take care of the details, so you got beat. Sometimes it's that simple. OBM, the official permanent partner of your Cleveland Browns, will depend on your Browns to win. You always depend on OBM. They can tackle any size office. Call 216-485-2000 or visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. We will do one thought or phrase on the Browns' tough loss in Atlanta coming up next. You're listening to the Joe Thomas Hour and Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Well, there's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barky Backers, presented by Milkbone, is the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Time for one thought or phrase on the following from yesterday's game down in Atlanta. Hoff, I'll start with you on the Browns' secondary. You know, I'm so conflicted when we're talking one thought on this type of stuff because you hold Marcus Mariota to seven completions for 139 yards, no touchdowns, and interception, 26 rating. You should be feeling really good about that incredible performance, but there's still the busted coverages that seem to be coming at the most inopportune times. And when you're going against a somewhat anemic by NFL standards passing attack, you feel like there should be no issues whatsoever. They should be completely stomped out. You can put us all in man coverage. 
and you get then all the resources you need to to be able to stop that running game in those moments and they weren't able to do it and maybe some of that scheme but uh that's still something that we need to get figured out as our our schedule starts getting a little bit stiffer here going against this uh second quarter of the season when we're going to be seeing some real studs at quarterback no, you're exactly right. And, and look, on that coverage, I'll give the secondary a pass because that was a linebacker's responsibility there. But you can't have a max protect play with a two-man route combination against six defenders and have one person uncovered, right? Would you agree with that, Hoff? So that, that's yep. got to be figured out. And, and look, you and I are talking the break. That, you know, Jacob Phillips is now playing, you know, 55 snaps, basically every snap out there because of the injury to Anthony Walker. If Anthony Walker is out there, does Anthony Walker make that mistake? I don't know. I don't know the answer, but that's what you're looking at. All of a sudden, it's no Miles. It's no Clowney. It's no Brian. It's also no Anthony Walker. You didn't have either of your team-elected defensive captains out there, and you paid a price. I thought our secondary in this game played well. Drake London was a non-factor. Um, Kyle Pitts was a non-factor. I thought Delpit had a couple of nice pass breakups. Denzel, I thought, responded very nicely with a great game. He was everywhere, came up with a big interception. Um, so I thought our secondary actually was good in this game. I thought it was very unfortunate, obviously, the way that, you know, you had a bust there. You, everybody did their job on the back end. You had two guys with the vertical. The linebacker was supposed to be dropped, and you're supposed to have one at each level, middle, left, right, and nobody was on the right side there with uh, Zacchaeus, and, and they make that big play on us. But Anytime you can hold a professional football team to <laughs> seven, seven of 19. 19 in the NFL with every rule to the offense's benefit is a really impressive showing. I think, like, I told without you, Miles or Clowney to rush the passer, it was like a college box score, honestly. Yeah, is what it looked like. Uh, the Browns' pass rush, Z. So here's the breakdown. Jordan Elliott got his first solo sack of his career. You got a couple of pressures from Isaac Rochelle. You got a couple of pressures from Alex Wright. I thought we did a good job on some of their boot games, staying home, staying disciplined. Hoff, I don't know if you noticed, but it felt to me like all of our pressures came off of running twists and, and stunts where we were getting guys able to loop around unblocked and, and get runs. We didn't make as many sacks as we should have. I thought JOK probably could have had one or two. Uh, we could have had a couple of them there. We ended up only getting one, but – in reality, we had to manufacture that pass rush. And I think that people who are very critical of Joe Woods right now should understand that you are playing with a rookie who was supposed to be a developmental project at one end, a guy who was not on anybody's 53 on the other end. You had a seventh-round rookie. You had a fourth-round rookie from a year ago or a second-year player in Tommy Togiai. You know, you did, and a fourth-round rookie alongside Jordan Elliott and Perrion Winfrey. You did not have what I would call Horses. I, I think it's safe to say that we went out there with one of the worst defensive lines in the NFL yesterday, on paper. Yeah, like yeah. if not, yeah. if not the worst. And the fact that we pressured him on over fifty percent of his dropbacks, we blitzed as Hoff noted about sixty percent of the time. I think we actually had a good game plan to stop a passing attack because it, it could have easily been a game where he had seven seconds to stand back there and throw all game long. Yeah, I thought the game plan was actually pretty sharp because. I look at blitzes from two angles. One is like you're blitzing the quarterback to try to pressure him because he can't get pass rush there. But two, blitzes are pretty good in a lot of situations too, especially in base down and dis distance, to stop the run because it makes passing off some of those zone combinations pretty challenging because now you're adding extra players to the line of scrimmage. You're moving guys and you're changing the combination blocks and who they have to have. So they have to be really sharp on their footwork to be able to pick it up seamlessly. And so it can really disrupt zone blocking techniques. Um, 
and they were really good at uh, blitzing Mariota. He was only three for 12 against the blitz, and he had an interception and only 30 yards. So from that perspective, like, that was a good game plan. Get after him, try to blitz him, shake him up a little bit, do what you can because you don't have the horses to be able to rush the passer, and you don't want Mariota to stand back there because, as we mentioned earlier, he's the most dangerous when he's running. Like, his legs are his greatest asset, so the last thing you want to do is let him get out of the pocket or have time where he can survey the defense. Because he's, he's not really like a full-field lead guy. He's going to look at one or two guys, then he's going to look to run. So you want to keep him in the pocket and not give him any space to run. So, I mean, they did a good job with what they wanted to do. Um, I, I really – you can't get too upset. Like, you just don't have the horses to sit back there and try to rush him in that situation when your two best pass rushers are out. Well, this one will be a fun one to talk about because he never ceases to amaze. I'll go to you, Hoff, and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, uh, remarkable what he's doing right now. I think this is his third game, over 100 yards rushing. Uh, I'm really hoping that this is the year he gets that NFL rushing title. But he's just amazing. Like, you give him the football anywhere he is, and he's difficult to drag down. He always gets more yards than what's blocked for. And he's the guy that everybody on that team seems to look to in those critical moments when you're handing them the football. And I'd love to see us playing with a little bit of a lead in the fourth quarter so we can ice the game on his shoulders, especially being that we were only an hour from where he grew up and he had so many people in the stands. It would have been such a great story for him to just be in that four-minute offense, just turning up yards, moving his way towards, you know, 150, 180 yards rushing. But either way, the Nick Chubb experience continues to amaze and impress every single Sunday. Yeah, Nick Chubb is he's incredible. And, and you know, we came into the game. I thought this stat was it was one that I, I shared on the broadcast. I thought it was just bonkersville. But he had come into the game with twenty six forced missed tackles through four games. That was more than thirty teams had forced, and that counts their running backs, their receivers, their tight ends, like anybody who's touched a ball. He had more forced missed tackles in four games, uh, in three games. I'm sorry, than. 30 of the 32 NFL teams. That's incredible to me. He forced another six in this game. Uh, I thought his his ability to kind of create yards after contact, 3.6 in this one. The line did a good job, though. He averaged 6.2 in the game. But he's he's simply amazing. I think that's why there's a part a portion of people who say, well, just run it with Nick Chubb every single play. Yeah. And you, you, you can't do that, but you can at second and Second and one. <laughs> from the one. Second goal from yeah. the one, you yeah. certainly can. Yeah. Um, let's, let's do one more here. And then I want to go around the league and around the AFC North with you guys. And it's, it's Kevin Stefanski. I'll start with you Z again. I thought he had a good game plan. You saw what we were able to do early off of the boot and all of that, the screen game. And this is the one that if people who do go back and watch the all 22 people, why run so many screens? Well, if you look at them and now we were only one for four on the screens for uh, 11 yards, they were so open, but mm -hmm. Jacoby, for whatever reason on a couple of them, just couldn't get the ball. The Falcons did a good job of reading them, but there's opportunities to put the ball over them. And the one right after that second and one hold on Wyatt Teller, all he had to do was get the ball to Kareem Hunt. It's a walk-in touchdown, and he did not do that. So I thought that, you know, I thought he called a good game. I thought from a strategy standpoint, it's certainly easy to say now. But if I'm at second and goal at the one half, I'm running the ball. And if I'm not running it, if I do elect to throw it, it's going to be a play-action pass, a hard play-action fake. We just did a drop back. And I don't know if it was supposed to be play action. Jacoby just didn't fake it, but it, it was a straight drop back. That's, yeah. that's all I saw there. 
so I think some of the strategy stuff and the details weren't great, but if you go back and watch it as it was, as was the case, you know, a lot last year, there were plays to be made that were not made. And I think that will be very frustrating for this football team on offense when they go back and watch this tape. Um, but he's taken a lot of heat for this one. He's put it on himself. I do think the way that we're constructed and the type of games we play three points is just so much better than zero. Seven is better than three, no doubt. But a guaranteed three is good because it feels like off all of our games come down to recovering an onside kick, a late field goal here, something there where three points would be very meaningful. And so hopefully he learns from this. And I think at times it's going to be aggressive when you know your opponent. And at times when you're playing a team that's you know, not great, I think maybe being conservative and taking the points could be the better part of Valor. Yeah, when I'm looking at Stefanski and kind of grading what he's done, like the scheme was there. To your point about the screens, like those, the screen game was wide open. And one of the hardest places to score a touchdown on the field is when you're on the goal line and you've got goal to go and you get a big penalty and you get moved way back. Because now you've got to go beyond 10 yards to get a first down or a touchdown. There's such a condensed field down there, so you can't really run your normal yeah. offense. So you can't get those uh, secondary elements to back up at all because they've got the back of the goal line as their uh, best defender there. So you, you have really no space to operate. It's so hard to be able to move in from there that you almost always have to end up kicking a field goal. And for the Browns to be able to have the perfect play call in that situation to get a screen pass and to be complete. I mean, they almost would have walked in had they completed that. Is It's, uh, it's disappointing because in that situation, the setup, the call, everything was just set up perfectly to score in a really difficult situation, score a touchdown. And they just weren't able to execute. And I think Jacoby's going to go back after watching the film and feel like he, he missed a bunch of plays there in the screen game. I think there was three screens that we had set up really nicely that for whatever reason, he was just not able to get the ball uh, to the screen player. And that was obviously disappointing. But then I think about the play calling, like Kevin's play calling was really sharp. Like there was not many times in the game where I disagreed with the calls that came onto the field. Now, you can always argue on the goal line, oh, you should have run it. You've got Nick Chubb there. It's the same argument in the Super Bowl. You know, you got Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. You should have run it. There has to be some – I will say from a player standpoint, though, there has to be some level of unpredictability when you get down there on the goal line. And maybe to your point, I think it's, it's a good point, Z, like maybe run a play action in that situation. Right. right? But if you yeah. always run it, these are professionals that they get paid and the defensive coordinator has 10 calls in a sheet that are nearly guaranteed to stop if you're just going to run it up the middle with Chubb. So you have to have variety. I think that's really important. You can't be that predictable. Yes, you have the best running back in the NFL who's great in those short yardage situations, but you do still have to be creative finding the ball, finding how to get him the football. Also not being afraid to throw the football in some of those situations so that they can't just tee off and just line up their best run defensive calls and their run defensive blitzes in the goal line situation. But maybe it is fair potentially to say, hey, you should have run a play action there on second and one. But also the last thing that I think about when I'm sort of evaluating Stefanski and the coaching is situational football. Like, are they calling the right plays in situations to get the players open? Are they making good in-game decisions? And there's very few times throughout this entire season when I've said like, oh, Kevin screwed up that situationally or he should have made that in-game decision. Even going down the field at the end of the game, um, Joel gives up a sack that basically ends the game. 
And if you watch that film, as you watched it today, Amari Cooper's coming wide open in the middle of the field on a lockdown route that is going to be an easy pitch and catch for Jacoby to throw him the football. And now we have a chance to kick a field goal. And the best player on your offense right there outside of Nick Chubb, maybe that's arguable, but, you know, apples and oranges, is it, is it Joel or is it Chubb? But either way, you got your best player right there in a beautiful situation, and he just does, does something you never expect him to see. He pulls it out over his toes. He gets beat to the inside pretty quick, and Jacoby's got nowhere to go. He can't hold on to the ball and can't deliver it where he wants to. So, I mean, what what can you say about the coaching? Possibly that they weren't coaching him to get ready to be great in those moments with the details that you have to win, and, and that's a valid ar- argument. I mean, that's a valid criticism of coaches is like, did you coach him to be prepared to execute what you call in that situation? And, you know, maybe some of that's not happening, and that's more of a, hey, what was the result? okay, if the result was bad, then they didn't do a good enough job coaching them up for the situation they were going to be in. Well said, sir, as it typically is. Browns fans can win big with digital scratch-off game brought to you by Ohio Lottery on ClevelandBrowns.com and Browns social channels. Fans can play once per day throughout the regular season by digitally scratching off a virtual card for chances to win great prizes like team shop gift cards and tickets to future games. For more information, log in to ClevelandBrowns.com. Uh, a lot going on around the league and the AFC North gets the Hoffs take on that. Coming up next, you're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Be part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Joins the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance of securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Hoff, as we take a big picture. Well, let me just ask you this because we were talking about this earlier. Um, it feels like, with the exception of a couple of teams who are really, really bad, that teams like, I don't know, 8 to 25 are all really similar. And outside of the Bills and the Chiefs, who to me have both shown greatness, I don't know that I've seen it anywhere else in the league. I've seen a lot of goodness. What do you make of what you've seen a month into the NFL season? I think you put it pretty well. You've seen good football, and there's a lot of teams that, you say, hey, you know, they're, they're okay. They could win some games. You know, they have a chance they could compete for their division. There's probably just, honestly, maybe only three or four teams that you'd say, oh, they're pretty bad. Like, they, they really don't have a chance. And as the season shakes out, they're probably going to end up with three or four wins. Um, but it is definitely going to be an interesting year, I think, outside of the Bills and the Chiefs. I, I'm trying to think who maybe would be that next class of team where you say, yep, I, I think they've got a chance to really kind of maybe run away with certainly their division and maybe that number one overall seed. I, I don't know who else is out there. And I think it's a combination of a lot of things. One, obviously the NFL has always valued parity. And so with the draft and free agency and all the salary cap implications, they've, you know, continued to head towards parity. Um, but more than anything, I think is the advent of we've got so many good quarterbacks in the NFL now. I think there's never been more franchise-type quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. And when everybody has a franchise quarterback, you always have a chance. And that's why the Browns did what they did this off 
season to try to go get Deshaun Watson because they know that yep. if you have a franchise quarterback, you have a chance. If you don't, you don't have a chance. And that's why there's so much parity. And the, really the only teams that are able to kind of elevate is the teams that do have that maybe once-in-a-generation quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. And then they're also able to put other pieces around those guys. And the next layer that I think why you see those teams separate is because they have experience together. They're veteran players, mostly their best players, their core players are veterans. They've been around a long time, and they've been in that scheme that they've been playing in for a long time, so they have experience. When they get into those situations that we've been talking about, they know how to execute. They know what they need to do because they've been there before, and the moment's never too big for them because they have that experience in that moment, and they never you know, uh, crumble because – they don't know what to do, and they're not exactly sure is this the exact thing that I need to do in this situation. Um, they're exactly sure of their job, and they go out and they do it. And we saw yesterday what it's like when you have inexperience at important positions, and certainly it seemed to can run the ball in the middle of our defense. That inexperience showed. But, yeah, you're right. you got to have that guy. You've got to have that quarterback. And, and so far the Browns, to be a top – you know, six efficient offense the way that we have been with a backup quarterback shows that we're doing some things right. We just have to do more on the yeah. details, get back to it and win, which we're talking about around the league where we saw teams not pay attention to the details and come up short. Yeah, it's it's all over it. And and if you if Huff, if you look at some of these some of these things, even in our I guess so let's do silver lining. The the reality is everybody's two and two in our division. Baltimore feels different about their two and two. They lose at home, give up a big lead to, to the Miami Dolphins and give up a big lead uh, to the Bills and lose at home yesterday. Uh, the Bengals, I think, probably feel like they're finally coming into their own, but I didn't think that they looked the way that they did at the end of last season in their passing game. And so no. all three of us, Hoff, sitting there at two and two, our schedule gets brutal uh, over the course of the next next seven games or so. Um, where, what do you make of, of those other two teams and what you've seen from the Ravens and Bengals here in the first month? Well, the Bengals – and the Ravens seem to be going maybe in different directions. Obviously, the Bengals didn't start the way they wanted, but have been playing a little bit better. I, I'm still concerned long-term about Joe Burrow's ability to get the football out. Um, you saw a lot of confusion the first three weeks of the season. He wasn't exactly sure where he wanted to go with it. Leads him to him holding on to the football, and he's not the athlete that Josh Allen is or Lamar Jackson, obviously. So he can't really escape the rush. So like, if he hangs on to it too long because he's not – exactly sure about where he wants to go with it like he's going to get hit and we've seen it before he's he's i'm not going to say he's a fragile guy but he's not a guy that can withstand a bunch of hits like a josh allen he's just not built like it so i mean i, I think he figured it out in that offense with zach taylor they they kind of got a little something against the dolphins where they realized hey man maybe we should emphasize a little bit more of the quick game get the ball to these great receivers that we have on the edge faster, and then let them take the hits. Let them try to make the play rather than always trying to go down the field. The down the field stuff will be there. So it'll be interesting to watch them next week to see if they kind of retained any of the lessons that they learned against the Dolphins on Thursday night football where, hey, it's okay to get rid of the football. Like, you don't have to hang on and go for a home run every single time. Um, the Ravens, I mean, the defense – has just been really bad. I think they were the worst yeah. defense in the NFL coming into this game. Obviously, they played a lot better against Josh Allen, but they crumbled down the stretch. And for uh, us to think about the Ravens defensively as the weakness 
in the NFL has been a little bit of slow to say, yeah, the Ravens defense stinks because we've never been able to say that in the last two decades. But I think in, unless they really figure this defense out, no matter how good Lamar Jackson is, they're going to struggle to be one of those contenders in the AFC. And I think for Lamar Jackson's sake, if that defense doesn't figure it out, he's going to feel more pressure to make more plays. And then you're going to see situations like we saw at the end of that game where he kind of throws a boneheaded interception when yeah. in that situation, he can't throw an interception. The right. only thing you can't do is throw a pick because even throwing it away on fourth down, which normally is a Cardinal sin in that situation, you have to throw it away instead of throwing a pick because that's the difference between giving your opponent the ball on the one or two yard line and, and giving the them the ball on the 20 yard line. Yeah. Which is huge, which the reason you go for it, and you heard John Harbaugh after the game talk about the analytics approach. The analytics evaluation is based on the defense or stopping you and the other team's offense getting the ball backed up on the one or two, which right. doesn't allow them a normal offense. It's going to take them way longer just to get it out and backed up and then to try to get into the normal offense to get down the field versus having it on the 20 and being able to play completely a normal offense and go down and win and score. That's right, Hoff. Perfectly said. By the way, the man making that interception, your t former teammate, Jordan Poyer, who has become one of the premier safeties in the league so far this year, yeah. he's got four picks and has allowed three completions in coverage. Crazy. He's so good. And we had him, former Brown. Yeah, we had him. Hoff, uh, before yeah. we uh, – we know you got to bounce. I, 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 we have to ask you. I mean, Wisconsin doesn't fire coaches midseason, bud. That's not oh. in the brochure at Wisconsin. What – what was the feeling over the weekend with Paul Chris's removal? There was a lot of shock and awe, that's for sure. I got a lot of text messages from family and friends who were surprised. Certainly, obviously, the season has not gone the way Badger fans have hoped for, losing to your old coach, Brett Pielema, who looks like a giant pumpkin when he runs out of the field with that giant orange <laughs> windbreaker that he still likes to wear. But uh, Halloween came a little bit early this year, and the Badger fans were scared. It was not pretty. But even still, you, you had that sense that Wisconsin's always been a program with lots of patience. It's Chris McIntosh, their AD, had said it a couple of weeks ago that patience has served them very well over the years, and, and it has. And um, this approach, kind of old-school approach, run the ball, play defense, tough, get tough guys, you know, coach them up on the details, it's worked for a long time. And so I think the thought was that, Paul would probably have the rest of the year to figure it out and try to turn things around. And I mean, it's not like the Big Ten West is just loaded. Like the, Ohio State's in the East for a reason, uh, geographically, but it, because it makes me very happy we don't have to play them all the time because they're <laughs> in a different class than the Badgers are. But still, I think to get fired midseason is is a big surprise, and I, I think it points a little bit to what they're going to do next. Um, Jim Leonard is the name former Brown, former teammate of yeah. mine. He's the defensive coordinator out there. He's the name that a lot of people have said is going to be the next head coach, and, and I do wonder. This is not with any inf information outside of just looking and reading the tea leaves that he was maybe getting a little frustrated because his defense has been really good, and that offense has maybe not held up their end of the bargain for a while. And I think maybe there was some thought that if they didn't do something now, put Jimmy in as the interim, and then possibly hire him at the end of the season, that he was going to leave, and then once he left, it would be too late to try to bring him back um, some in, in some other capacity or as head coach. So this potentially could be a decision that was made with 
a little bit of input from Jimmy with a little bit of input talking to Paul and saying, hey, you know, this is kind of the direction we think we're going to head. And, you know, understanding that Paul's been here a long time and he was here before as a coordinator. This is, his dad coached here, uh, not at Wisconsin, um, but Paul played at Wisconsin. I think his dad coached at like Platt, Platteville or some, one of the other schools um, in Wisconsin. But anyways, I think that uh, it'll be really interesting to see kind of how everything unfolds because certainly uh, it's been very sad in Madison in the last uh, few weeks and certainly the last 24 hours. Yeah, just just rarely to see it. Always great talking to you, buddy. We appreciate your time so much, and thanks for your time today. Cool. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for having uh-huh. me. All right, that is the Joe Thomas We need more pure of, joy. Well, with dubs the, help. Yeah. Um, you listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Browns fans, be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. Twisted Tea tailgate located on the west side of First Energy Stadium combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music, food, and drink options. The tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff. It's open to fans with a ticket to the game. We got a Monday night of the night. Man, I wish Lance was playing in this one. I'd have more juice for it. Uh, Rams plus one and a half at your Niners, my friend. Nate, the Niners are garbage. My da- so I'm talking to my dad, by the way, on the way home yeah. last night from the game. And he's just like trying to tell me how the Niners and the Browns are like the same. And he's used to the frustration. I go, in the last three years, you've been in a Super Bowl <laughs> and the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? How many Super Bowls has he won as a Niners fan? Yeah. It's yeah. like we won one playoff game in a quarter century. Like, there's no comparison These at all. And he's, anyway, he's down. Why are they favored? Makes no sense. Nerd, Spavoni, Niners. Love it. Same. We're back tomorrow. We're back on the scores this week. Solid week. Very solid week. Oh, baby. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.